Welcome back to Behind the Play. My name is Alex Adams, and today I'm joined by Michael Grange, one of the best basketball writers in Canada, uh, covering the Raptors and a bit of Canada basketball for Sportsnet for a long, long time. I, I know, Michael, you said that this is your 25th year. How does it feel to be older than, you know, covering the, the, the Raptors for longer than a lot of guys are in the NBA? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess I don't feel it but it sometimes i do <laughs> but i mean it's uh it's amazing how things have changed it's amazing how the industry has changed how the league has changed um still love basketball though so that keeps you going and um you know i uh you know sports night's always been very good to me so you know you kind of keep grinding and uh never know where it's going to take you i i a, a lot of times on this podcast we ask um journalists about their career and, and you've had a quite an interesting career um obviously um just detail a little bit about your career journey I, I know you went to Mount Allison you went to Western for journalism school just kind of talk about how you came to where you are today yeah I I, I mean I feel like I'm kind of uh in this weird space where I kind of got into the industry when it was still at least reminiscent of what it had been maybe even 30, 40, 50 years before. Um, and then I'm in the industry now when it's almost unrecognizable uh, yeah. in some ways to what it 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 was when I started. So, um, you know, I was always a guy who just loved reading, loved writing from a young age. I was really lucky. My, you know, um, you know, my mom and my, you know, my dad too kind of encouraged that. And, and uh, I just was, one of those guys who loved reading the newspaper back to, you know, cover to cover, loved the sports section, maybe the most. Um, and, you know, that never really stopped. And at university in New Brunswick, um, you know, one of the funnest things to do was to go to the library and get the Toronto papers, but they were usually about three days old, <laughs> you know, which is unfathomable, right? But like, yeah. I mean, there was no internet and the papers literally had to be shipped there. And so you'd, you know, I'd go and read the Globe Mail, read Stephen Brunt, mm. um, you know, and some of the other guys I ended up working with, uh, you know, and you know, it didn't matter that it was, you know, a Saturday paper. I was reading it on Tuesday. It still <laughs> felt, you know, you, you, and um, so that's kind of the thing. But you know, when I finished and I worked in the student newspaper at Mount A, it was so small you could kind of do anything. You could. Didn't play didn't, basketball. Pardon me. I, I heard that you 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 would cover your own games that you'd play for yes. and just so people <laughs> don't know that you you played on the basketball team and then you'd write about the game. How, exactly. how critical yeah. were yeah, you? Our, our, yeah, the Argosy. I think it only came out once a week. Yeah, it only came out once a week. So you'd play a couple of games on the weekend, and then uh, I, I, I'm gonna say I can't remember exactly. Maybe the paper would come out on the Friday. And so, yeah, I would write game summaries um, <laughs> about the basketball game. And, uh, yeah. How, <laughs> so how, was, how, how self-critical were you of, of yourself compared to the rest? <laughs> um, I wasn't very self-critical. I, I, I would say I I was insecure enough that I, I wasn't going to go eviscerate myself in print, although <laughs> I probably deserved it at times. I, I, I would counter that by I wasn't all that self-complimentary. So I didn't take okay. advantage of the position, I guess is what I would say. Fair enough um anyway it was it was kind of low-key stuff it was fun um but then when i finished university like the idea of being a journalist it just seemed completely far-fetched like uh, mm. I, I just had no connection to the business i had no insight into the business no 
you know, it would have been like, okay, I'm going to be an astronaut kind of thing. And so, uh, came back to Toronto and worked, uh, you know, worked, worked as a bartender for a year, a year and a bit, and then got a job working for the city of Toronto, Metro Toronto then. And, uh, I was a welfare caseworker. Yeah. Um, did that for about four years, uh, just because, you know, the economy was pretty tough then it was a bad recession and, um, you know, they were hiring <laughs> kind of, and I had some, I was able to, I had a friend who was, who, who's had some family working in the kind of suggested I should, I should apply. They were hiring. I got hired. It was a good job at the time. Very interesting. Saw and experienced a lot of things I otherwise never would have, mm. um, and uh you know it was a good experience and but as i was doing that i got even more passionate about reading and writing and um and you know i decided you know i wasn't going to do this for my whole career or my whole life so i you know i was considering other options i applied to teachers college a few times i you know was very close to going to law school and but really what i wanted to do was was be a journalist i don't know why exactly mm. and took a course at ryerson university at night like a in uh, magazine writing that was kind yeah. of the form i loved the most and uh kind of got some good feedback you know like like it was positive in terms mm. of what i was doing um and, you know, I just said, look, I'll, I'll, I'm going to apply to journalism school. And Western at the time had a master's in journalism. It was a one-year program, just 12 months. Carleton, I think, was two years. So I was like, mm -hmm. well, you know, I was, I wanted to get it over as quickly as I could. <laughs> and, um, and uh, yeah, so I kind of went for it. I had to learn how to type. I didn't know how to type huh. and still barely know how to type. <laughs> um, and literally like there was a typing course that you had to pass as part of the program and i failed it like and, wow. and like they just you know they just yeah. kind of looked the other way and oh interesting you know, mark but uh you know and then, and then from there very happened very quickly i was incredibly lucky i i meet a lot of young journalists and you know what can they learn from my example or story and and i you know i hesitate to tell them probably nothing because I just had a combination of, uh, I was very desperate. Like I was older than everyone in my class pretty much. And so, and I, you know, I quit a good job and, you know, wrote the check myself and I was, I felt like I had to succeed. Yeah. And, um, so from on that front was, you know, I give myself credit was a really, <laughs> really determined, uh, student and, um, you know, but also got some really lucky breaks, like, yeah, you have some. I I I did some my homework. I, I talk, <laughs> talk a little bit about like the. I think the two breaks was one you had a, a piece in the Globe and Mail, and then you had one which was hockey related in the New York Times. Maybe just talk about those kind of. Sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, those. Yeah, so you did a little homework. Good for you. I'm not surprised based on your <laughs> what I know about you, but um, yeah. So the first one was literally, I think, our first assignment in class. You put your hand in a in a, a you know a, a bowl that had a bunch of names in it and mm. whatever name you pulled out that's you were you had to do like it was kind of like your term assignment it was an 800 word feature which is laughable when i think about it, it was wow. like the kind of thing you do and like i do it in an afternoon now right but <laughs> but um 
but the name I pulled out was Martha Henry. I had no idea who Martha Henry was. And turned out, luckily, right, she was um, a really prominent uh, Shakespearean actor. Mm -hmm. and, and not just Shakespeare, but she was, you know, a leading Canadian figure in in uh, Canadian drama circles. And uh, at the time was the artistic director of uh, the main theater there in London, Ontario. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so great. Okay, great. So I reach out to her, we set up an interview. And as I'm talking to her, I don't know, I can't remember the context, but but it turned out that she was she had had this big falling out with the Stratford Festival. And which again meant almost nothing to me and uh, you know but but she was it was a big moment in her you know she she was going back to perform at Stratford for the first time since this falling out and it was a big deal and um you know and and I and again to my credit I somehow recognized that this was you know there was a bit of a story here right like it wasn't yeah. just you know and and uh and so you know, so I wrote it up and painstakingly, you know, because you had all this time to do it. And um, and I thought it was pretty good. And I did have one uh, friend in journalism. And it was, I had met them through the wealth when I was working in welfare oh. and doing some volunteer work. And his wife was worked at the Globe, Jennifer Wells. And I and I think I reached out to her and she suggested I, I, I think what I did is I submitted to the facts and arguments no, okay. no, no. I, I can't remember exactly the details. Anyway, I I, re, I get connected with an editor. I fax it to them. Again, this is 1990s, and uh, and sure enough, they they want to publish it, and mm -hmm. I'm like over the moon. And this is here I am, first semester of journalism school, first assignment really I do, and it gets published in the Globe and Mail. The only catch was I had never mentioned this to Martha Henry, <laughs> and yeah. so yeah. and so you know, and this was something that. You know, now you understand how publicity teams work, and this is something they would have wanted to kind of That's roll nice. out on their terms and everything. And she was so mad, <laughs> and she kind of lit what a lesson. Animal. And because uh, you know, it was a, a rookie mistake for sure by me. And um, she just lit into me, and I thought my career was over. And uh, anyway, but the bottom line was, you know, I had a clip in the in the Globe and Mail, which is pretty good, and then. My next, uh, probably even more lucky stroke was uh, my girlfriend at the time. Her uh, brother was buddies with um, Eric Lindros. Yeah. And this wow. was during the 1994 lockout. And um, Lindros had a bunch of buddies who were at uh, Western. And so he was, he'd come up and was uh, living with them practicing with the hockey team at Western and just kind of living my student life. Like he was something he yeah. couldn't experience because he'd been playing hockey, you know, basically professionally since he was 15. And um, so I, I, I was, you know, so I reached out to Lindros through this friend of mine. I thought it'd be a good story. Again, it was a school assignment. And uh, I think we went, you know, went to a bar and shot some pool and he kind of sussed me out. I guess I passed whatever test he had. <laughs> and then we went and um, at the student bar, like a couple of days later, and it was a pretty full on feature length interview. And mm -hmm. he was great. And he was really nice. And uh, I got to meet his buddies, went and saw where he lived. And 
and uh i remember he drove me <laughs> drove me back to my place or whatever in his like a whatever beamer he was driving <laughs> at the time yeah uh. pretty nice car <laughs> and um you know and it ended up being like a, a really good story right like it was this guy who was it taking was advantage of this opportunity to live a life that he you know had to give up because he, you know to pursue his 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 career and um you know and and the timing it was great and and so he was with the flyers at the time and um you know so and so when i and I, this is the one where i reached out to my friend at jennifer wells and she said you know well you've had one in the globe why don't you try the new york times and i was like okay and and so um this is a wild i, I still this is just very much of the time uh-huh. but it made me laugh and so I picked up the phone and I called the sports department of the New York Times and somehow got through to the uh <laughs> the assistant editor there, uh Jay Schreiber. <laughs> it was his name. <laughs> and you know, I just kind of pitched it. I said, This is what I this is where I am, this is where what I'm doing. And and uh they said, All right, sure. And so I faxed <laughs> it to them. And the crazy thing about that one too is we I negotiated on the fee. Really? <laughs> well, to pay me like I'm gonna say like because I ended up being, being like a 1,200 word piece that ran maybe 1,500. I can't remember. Okay. And uh, and they wanted to pay me like 200 US. And I was like, well, how about this much? And I said, all right, all right. So yeah, at that I'm still wow. That's some I, balls. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't believe I did that. But um, anyway, that ran on the back page of the Sunday Sports section in the New York Times. And, wow. Uh, I still have that one. I, I still have that one framed. That's, and that's awesome. uh, so long story short or short story long when again and this is where the industry is so different and and i always mm-hmm. feel sheepish when i'm talking to people of in your situation at the time you know the major newspapers in the country would have summer internship programs they were most most of the well i think all the papers were unionized so the internship programs were actually they paid a reasonable mm-hmm. rate it wasn't just you had to you know and right. uh it was a job and so so i kind of ended up having a pick of those right because you know you've got here's your clip in your times here's your clip in the globe mail yeah. i had some other good work reasonable work so um you know so i ended up working at the globe uh as a summer intern and um and that kind of was the start of things and and did well enough that summer i was in news and then somebody got pregnant so i got a no i think i got a one day a week contract for the winter mm-hmm. i had a complete so i had a, a full-time job that i got plus i would go in sundays and work in globe mail then i got another internship the next summer and it took about three years of part-time contracts and internships and mm-hmm. before i finally got hired and i'd done a few rotations through sports but you know at the time i was perfectly i thought i was going to be a news reporter was kind okay. of was excited about doing that and uh but at the, the the first full-time job that became available was in the sports department as a as an agate editor basically mm. which is the kind of lowest yeah uh, uh point on the totem pole even even among it and i shouldn't say even among editing but within the editing structure it's like it's the, the worst job you can ever imagine yeah. for me yeah and required remember i'm a horrible typist and it required <laughs> its own you had the data entry with its own codes 
and so keyboard codes and it was really kind of intense because each edition of the paper like if you know (laughs) if uh you know the the baseball game went to the 13th inning you know you had to get that score and you had to readjust the standings like (laughs) i was the worst i i I literally once had to leave the desk i was in tears Uh like 28 years old and I'm like wandering around the building and like midnight because I'm so friggin' bad at this. Yeah. I'm screwing up all the time. And, uh, finally I was so bad that they made me a reporter. <laughs> that's kind of what happened. That, that, that's, that's normally how it works. Eh, Michael, yeah, it's just, you're yeah, so bad that was, then you get the job. Yeah. I was, they just basically had to take me away from what I was, cause I was, <laughs> so bad that like literally the ag would come out in some of the editions things would be crooked like the stats were wrong like it was they'd get complaints uh, so they go do somewhere go do something you can't harm anything and then then you kind of came into covering the raptors beat kind of someone it was someone <laughs> yeah there's another lucky break yeah, yeah. no uh, uh rob mcleod who i worked with, with for years at the globe he and you know you know again luck right so my first year as a journalist was the year the Raptors started. So 95, mm. 96. Yep. That's, that's and, right. Um, and so I, I got a chance to cover the Raptors. I would sort of pitch these ideas and the globe was pretty good. If you had a, a feature idea, I think the first one I ever did was a, I did a feature on Leo Routens and, mm. um, you know, so, so like I was kind of around the periphery of it. I did do some rotations through sports and that, uh, you know, so I would get, I would get a taste of it here and there, but, uh, Rob was, he's, he was a big bike cyclist and, uh, he got hit by a streetcar oh. and, um, <laughs> you know, I always have to tell it's happy ending. He ended up fine. He's good. He still lives yeah. a very happy, active life, but you know, he was, he was, he was badly injured and, um, he was off work for, I'm going to say might've been a year, maybe just less than that, but, but, um, you know, so somebody had to cover the Raptors. There you go. And it just kind of happened to coincide with the year that the, um, the franchise got sold. There was a whole shotgun clause with Bitov and Alan Slate and the new arena going in and mm-hmm. I think Thomas leaving. And it yeah. was, you know, the team was terrible, but the news stories were great. <laughs> and um, so that was, that was a really cool experience. And, and I always did a lot of other stuff when I was at the globe, like uh you know, and the Raptors did go through some really fallow periods, yeah. but, you know, but, you know, I was lucky to cover, as I said, the, you know, the demise of, of, uh, the first iteration and then Vince Carter being drafted. And then of course the rise of Vince and, um, you know, so that kind of, you know, so I was always attached to them and, but, and, you know, but I would do a lot of other things too. And a lot of feature writing and sports business writing and I covered golf a lot. Mm. which was fun and um you know and then when i moved to sportsnet uh same thing i I was hired to do a whole bunch of different stuff and i did but then you know as the raptors really got good in 13 14 and on and then it just kind of ate up everything else and so that's you know so it's become my main thing for about the last 10 years what's interesting uh, like you 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 mentioned multiple times how much you've you love feature writing what do you love about that kind of format and like you had a big read on on Darko Ryakovich like how does that kind of come about for you Michael um 
Yeah, I, I guess I, I, it's always been the stuff I like to read the most. And um, so the opportunity to kind of uh, visit with people, get to know them a little bit, get to know the people in their life a little bit um, is always been, it's always kind of the most rewarding. Mm. Uh, you get to, um, I think, you know, every element of writing requires significant craft, you know, and there's that old line, you know, if, give me more time, I'll write you a shorter letter, you know, so, <laughs> so like, yeah. you know, people looked at how, how, you know, right from headline writing, you know, the, how difficult and, and important that is to, you know, all the other writing in between. But I think for, to have the opportunity and it's interesting now in the digital age, <laughs> you know, you don't have to choose if it's going to be 2000 words or 4,000 words, you know, based on how much room there is physically in the paper, it can be, well, you know, we can go 5,000, right? Because mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't have to be. And, and so it's really, it's really fun. Like you, you get to really make some choice Some you know, you get to choose a theme, you get to choose, um, you know, how, you know, what you think the most interesting point of entry is you get to um, add some layers and some nuance in terms of you know, like things aren't usually black and white, so it's kind mm -hmm. of fun and rewarding to be able to kind of, you know, explain things in full uh, because you have the space to do it. So, um, and, you know, I think I, I was always okay at it, um, but I think I've gotten over time a lot better at it. And, uh, you know, they don't, it doesn't fill me with a ton of anxiety. Like I, I kind of okay. just, you know, I just kind of like have fun with it. Yeah. Almost, you know, almost, almost, almost. <laughs> a little you know, bit. it's still, it's still a lot of hard work and, yeah. and, you know, you still got to kind of bury yourself for the amount of time, you know, some of them take months and months to, or you're kind of packing at them for weeks or months. And then in the case of this, the Darko one, like I had some interviews from summer league, but I really only committed to doing it like maybe 10 days before it ran mm. and things came together really fast, but whatever period you're, you know, it's, it, it, you're, it's kind of like, it's constantly in your mind. Yeah. You're thinking about it. Um, and I guess, you know, the one thing that, you know, if I've learned is, you know, just kind of, I, I just kind of go about my day, sort of, mm. and then and then eventually the jigsaw puzzle comes together. And then mm. when I when something clicks, like I literally you know wake up in the middle of the night and I'll write four sentences, or you know, and 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 you know, I just I just always kind of keep jotting, I keep a list of kind of the main things I want to hit. Yeah, as I'm transcribing interviews and and. Um, yeah. And then when it kind of comes together, it feels great. Like it's, a, it's yeah. a nice, satisfying feeling of completion. Um, and, and so often in, you know, any element of this business, you're always kind of making a compromise here or there. So it's nice to, to be able to go, yep, this is about 95% of what I intended it to be. And yeah. you never get to a hundred, but you know, if you get into the nineties, you're doing pretty good. Well, that's awesome to hear. I, I, what's interesting when you talk about kind of pecking at um, people and relationships, like when I saw you and and I'll admit, uh, maybe I was, you know, watching you intensely a little bit uh, at the uh, training camp in Toronto 
just how you kind of managed the room and players. And it felt like you knew everyone in the building. Just talk about how you manage relationships with players, coaches, management, but also, you know, write these kinds of stories and be fair and critical when you're reporting. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not necessarily all that conscious of that, but I understand what you mean. Like I would, you know, at various times in my career, I watch other people do that and I go, damn, I, you know. Um, you, so I guess the first thing is, is you have the advantage of time and visibility a little bit. Like I'm not saying, you know, all these players know who I am or yeah. what I do, but they've seen me around now for time. And if I don't know the player, I've known their agent. And if I, you know, and, um, so that kind of helps, um, I wouldn't suggest I'm like buddy buddies with all these guys, but, but, you mm. know, you're comfortable enough that you can kind of, you know, begin a conversation. And and I think an, an important thing I've learned over time is not every conversation has to be for the purpose of yeah. generating an interview or anything. <laughs> it's sometimes it's just let them, you know, just establish, let them feel you out like establish that you're not going to bite <laughs> that, um, yeah. you know, that you're somebody that they might actually not mind, uh, speaking with. Yeah. Um, you know, cause you know, and it's not important, like you don't have to be people's friends, but you know, I think you do need to be somebody that they at least don't object to being, around you know like it's a pretty low bar but but uh you know but the higher you can get on that like the more you can kind of and and so you know i am lucky right covering the raptors and you know i get to travel a little bit with sportsnet and and so if i go to uh utah and um you know Nikhil has just been traded to utah well i make a point of seeking him out talking to him you know, let them know that you're following their game. Like, you know, that's what's kind of has been interesting over the years huh. is, you know, if you just see somebody and say, Hey man, I saw you play great last week. It just as you would like to anyone else, like they're like, oh, thanks. You know, like, Oh yeah. You know, you, you know, and, and just like kind of, I guess it's in it's in a way it's been a little easier as I've gotten older um because i then now they remind me more of my kids in a way <laughs> but uh you know you just let them know like if they're struggling hey man keep it up don't worry man i i you know i think you're gonna do great and and i can mm -hmm. see what i can see i can see it don't worry it's coming like it sounds stupid like in what place do i have to yeah make a job like that but it's sincere you know mm -hmm. i don't make it up and and you know they kind of go okay you know, like it's, 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 and that's, uh, and that's not for a story. It's not like tomorrow, yeah, big just, read on Nikhil Alexander Walker. Yeah, it's just, you know, and, and, you know, you see Kelly and you're like, you know, you knew he got married. Hey, yes. You know, just, just yeah. whenever you have an opportunity to just sort of break a little bit of a barrier down, it helps. It takes time. It doesn't happen the first time you're around somebody. Um, and the more you can do it, the better off you are. And then over a while, you have a track record, right? So, you mm -hmm. know, if it's not the player, the agent trusts you. If it's not, you know, that kind of thing. So mm -hmm. that's it. I mean, I mean, I wish I could give you a formula or, or anything. No, no, that's, 
that's uh, awesome yeah no it's um you know yeah and and, and a lot of people are a lot better at it than I am, but you know, you just try to try to, you know, be a personable person as much mm-hmm. as you can, and and, um, you know, and and I, and I think also you got to know you're in it for the long game. Like, like you, you know, you can criticize, you can raise points of or, or issues, but you know, you I think it's very important to be balanced as you do it and recognize that very rarely is going in on somebody not that that's my style ever really but Mm -hmm. you know for the sake of it often it's not even right like you know like things are so there's always a longer view to everything so you know if you want to just smash somebody like yeah you might be right for the minute but like it's not really Mm -hmm. not often that you're actually it's actually a true representation of of the whole context and two, you know, you're in, you're in for a long game, you know, like, yeah. like, so, you know, like, again, so you kind of, you got to be honest to your readers and your role, but, uh, you know, like I will learn one, th- you know, like, like little cheap shots, little things to think you're being funny or clever. It's a, a you're probably not. And B it's just not worth it. Yeah. Most of the time. Well, um, I want to go to uh, the Raptors um, for a little bit. And I, I kind of prepared for this interview and saying, woe is me, the Raptors, you know, the sky is falling. And then they <laughs> won last night against the Milwaukee Bucks in convincing fashion. So I guess just for you, Michael, how would you evaluate the first couple games for the Raptors so far this season? I'm no different than you. Like, I mean, uh, or anyone else, I don't think like uh, I firmly believe the sky was falling after four <laughs> games i guess what i say, i would say is in my own defense is is like you could see some really positive qualities i thought this team showed you through those four games they could be a really really good defensive team um i thought there was moments where you could see okay i can see what they're trying to get to offensively um but the flip side is is they seemed like a very easy team to defend you just kind of pack the paint and you know, shoot. didn't have to worry too much. And so, you know, I, I, after they got beat by Portland, I was like, this is how things unravel is you're asking a group of guys, you know, three of your most prominent players are in contract years. You're asking to sacrifice offensively for the benefit of others. You're asking them to defend at a really high level, even though they're, you know, you know, they're getting the ball run down their throat because they're missing, you know, they're missing 60% <laughs> of their shots. And you could just sort of see between that and the schedule, mm-hmm. you know, things really. And and I think with a new coach and a new staff, like, you know, you need that proof of concept and you weren't getting it. And so you just kind of look at this road trip and what's going on. They, they could be one and eight really fast. Yep. And that's when things get really messy. And, um, you know, there were, believe me, there was people behind the scenes even after they were one and three that were kind of alarm bells were going off. So that game last night was huge. Um, I think it says a good amount about the Raptors where they can get to. I think defensively, again, they demonstrated they have a chance to be very special because, you know, Dennis Schroeder at the point of attack, he was give Dame Lillard all the problems he could handle. Oh, gee. Um, so 
you know, I think you're defending the point of attack better than they have been in the past. And I think a guy like OG and Anobi matches up, as we know, with so many good different, like everybody. <laughs> and, you know, so you're halfway there, right? And uh, the flip side of this is, man, I think Milwaukee's got some big issues defensively. And it, I think a lot of them start with Dame Lillard. And so that's going to be a story to follow. But, but yeah, a giant win. And it just kind of, they can exhale a little bit. Like, I think you look through the first, I would say, 12 games. And if they get, get through them four and eight, five and seven, they're doing great because it's a very tough schedule to start. And, uh, you know, you just don't want to and didn't want to see them go through it two and ten or, you know, something like that. That's 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 hard to bail out of. Yeah, only the Lakers last year kind of salvaged their what was it like two and thirteen start or whatever. Yeah. But um, uh, just with that, because I think most Raptors fans this year just the player everyone is just so excited about is Scotty Barnes. He's you know it's early on, and I don't know if he's going to shoot almost forty three percent from three. But um, just what have you seen in his game to really it seems as though he's taken that next step that people kind of maybe expected last year from him? How would you maybe? um what 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 do you see in his game that's been made him so much more effective this year yeah i think i think they're using him a little better defensively a little differently and i think it suits him um i don't think he's a great on-ball defender certainly didn't show it last year um like his real magic as a player and and certainly defensively he's a playmaker right like he just He's going to take a he's going to take a gamble, make a play, block a shot, make a steal, whatever it might be, and so I think they're playing him more against pigs and more kind of close to the rim, and so you know, it, I think it just plays his strengths better, and so that's helped. Um, it lets him rebound more, so he can get out and run. He's incredible in the open court, oh. better than I've ever seen so far this year. And then offensively, the shooting is a factor, right? Like, I mean, uh, you know, I no, I don't think he's going to shoot 43% from three, but he shot. He looked good. Know, a couple of months now, right? Like he was 50% in preseason and it's, he hasn't really missed, you know, it's been a couple of weeks now in the regular season. So it just shows that there's the potential that, that he can be an effective three point shooter. I think the threes he's taking are for the most part, really good. Like a lot of them are just flat out Open. catch and shoot feet set. Um, and then, uh, he just punishes, if you're smaller, he's killing you. And, uh, he is, you know, he's a, he is incredibly strong. I think like, like you can see it in his frame. You can see how he's added muscle to his frame, but he also has one of those builds where like, it's like, you'd almost call it like farmer strong. Like, yeah, yeah. Are you like I don't know if you've been around her very much, but like his his wrists are really wide, his forearms are big. Like yeah. he's he's not Jim Strong. Like he is born strong, and uh, um, so he, you know, so he can put his shoulder in the honest and make the honest move, you know, and stuff like that. So so I think, and and he's a great passer. So so I think I think he grew up a lot in the past year. I don't think he, you know, I think we. Last year was probably in the end underplayed how he had that ankle injury going into training camp. I think that center back got off on the wrong foot uh, in the regular season. And that just, you know, it just kind of played into a, a tough narrative in a way. Um, I don't think he handled it all that great. And um, I think the whole environment around the team wasn't all that great. Yep. So all that stuff's in the, in, 
kind of in the rear view mostly and he's healthy and he's he looks like he can you know the ceiling they need him to have is really high but you know but you can kind of go well you see it yeah you know like like there's there's some potential here and you know he's uh he's got some Draymond Green in him but he's a way better shooter way better offensive way better scorer than Draymond Green he's he's got some Giannis in him obviously not quite the physical powerhouse that Giannis is but probably has a little bit more feel a little bit more mm-hmm. natural playmaking ability um you know, like Lamar Odom as a guy, you know, you yeah. go back a little bit, but he's way more physical and, and than than Lamar Odom was. So, you know, he is a little bit unique as a player. And um sometimes guys like that, it takes a long time to figure out all the different ways they can impact a game because there's so many different ways. Yeah, and, and with that, obviously the, the questions for this team kind of in the future, in the media future, you could lump Gary Trent into this, but more so just Siakam and OG. They're probably going to be free agents in, in the case of OG. Um, just w- what happens there, do you think, kind of in the future? Obviously, there seemed to be a rupture between Siakam and, and the Raptors this offseason. You've written a little bit about that, but just what do you think happens there? Is it as simple as if the Raptors play well, they get extended? If the Raptors fall apart, they don't? Like, where, where do you see this kind <laughs> yeah. of... Well, I mean, if they suck, like you're not going to pay a ton of money to bring a bunch yeah, of guys back. True. But, you know, like, so if they're in the trade deadline, they're, you know, a lottery team, then, mm-hmm. you know, at, at some point you just have to acknowledge that this isn't working. You've had two different coaching staffs, two playing styles, and minimal success. So um, you got to take advantage. And, and uh, you know, there would be criticism at that point, I think, of management for, uh not recognizing and you know are you have you maximized the return you could get from some of these assets um the flip side is 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 if this team ends up you know being what i think they believe they can be which is you know pushing for a playoff spot or you know kind of 45 46 wins in a tough eastern conference you know and and it's interesting like it's hard to imagine both OG and Siakam coming back. Like they're mm-hmm. both giant Money contracts. Wise. All of a sudden you're in luxury tax territory, you know, certainly would be when you've signed Scotty for a team that's kind of, you know, a second round team at very best sort of. Um, so, so that's where the decisions get very difficult. Um, you know, maybe there's a scenario where, you know, Siakam is willing to take less than the max because, but I, I don't know, I'd be shocked by that. So, so yeah, I mean, it's hard to imagine that next summer the the team wouldn't look different going into next year and how you manage all of that. I mean, it's, it's, it's a tricky line they're trying to walk, um, which, you know, again, going back to our earlier point makes how this season progresses in the early stages really matter because, you know, if there's, clarity on one side or the other then then you know uh it could mean very different things for the roster i would say what when does the kind of the the buck stop with management in terms of just their decisions and like you know they won a championship they you know you can't take that away from them they had amazing years before that it wasn't just they signed one player you know got Giannis and then won like you know they they built a great program but seems to be a bit more 
complicated, let's say, since um, when does it kind of ownership and and maybe Maasai, like when do they become on the hot seat? Maybe not hot seat, but just kind of they get more scrutinized and more pressure on them. Yeah, I mean, I think you're approaching that. And, um, you know, the run from 13, 14 through even the year in the bubble when they drafted yeah. Scotty, you know, like it's hard to find any flaws right like i mean and and you know their run from 15 when they drafted norm i believe 2015 got him in the second round to um you know via that trade with milwaukee to drafting og i think in 2018 uh, 17 yeah 17 somewhere that you know that's as good a, a run of talent acquisition that you any team I'm not going to say ever, but it's hard to do better given that you had one lottery pick, nine, and you nailed it with Pirtle. And then, you know, as people know, Norm's a second-round pick. Fred's undrafted. Siakam's a late first. Uh, OG's a late first. Uh, DeLon Wright's a late first. You know, that's five players, and you've got an NBA starter in Pirtle, like a decade-long NBA starter in Pirtle. Mm-hmm. All NBA defender in Ananobi, an All Star in Van Vliet, an All NBA player in Siakam, and you know probably a 12, 13 year rotation guy in Delon Wright. Like that's incredible. Yeah. And the problem is they've never come close to replicating that. And so I think you know the Barnes pick looks like a really good pick, obviously, but um, you know, but. You know, and I think there is a difference when you're picking 29th instead of 22nd, <laughs> and you know, you've had to send out some draft equity to facilitate some trades and stuff like that. But um, you know, the yeah, they just haven't nailed that next player, and 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 you know, I think that's that's the problem. But is from mm-hmm. from OG on. You know, apart from Siaka, from Barnes, they haven't added one player that that looks like they can contribute to a winning NBA team, mm-hmm. and um, and that's that's really what's what's the difference, and and how much of you know. So, so I think you know, and I think to me, a big mistake they made was the Thad Young deal, and and I yeah. understand why they made it, but I think they kind of overestimated where that team was. Mm-hmm. readiness to win and and you know trading down in that draft proved to be a mistake right and like it's unfortunate with christian coloco and his health issues but um you know there was a big difference between drafting what they i think would have been 2021 something like that I think it was yeah walker kessler was yeah. yeah i mean walker kessler is the one that i've written about that but you know who knows if that's the guy you would have taken but there were other good players but if you were looking for a defensive minded big Walker Kessler looks like he's going to be a pretty good, a pretty good one. Yep. And, um, you know, so those are, you know, that, that's a mistake. That's an error. And, uh, um, you know, they've got it like that Porter signing. You know, you saw last night, like that guy's a pretty good player. You understand yeah, why they went and did it. And, and, you know, the health issues are another thing. So anyway, that, that, so you, yeah. you know, they're accountable for everything. And, and, I would say their last three, four years have not been uh, anywhere near the run they were on the last seven or eight before. And, um, you know, and I think the belief that they're, 
you know, the approach they've taken, which is kind of status quo, status quo, status quo, better to keep talent and kind of wait for a home run. It's so far hasn't proven to be very effective. And, um, you know, and then I think the real issue will be is if they do need to pivot out of, you know, a Siakam or an OG or, you know, like then, and you've diminished the potential return on those uh, because of, you know, these guys are pending free agents, et cetera, maybe coming off not great years. Um, yeah, that's, you know, you, 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 you made a choice and it didn't work out and, you know, uh, you don't get fired for that because of a long track record before track record before it, but they deserve, they would deserve to be credit criticized hundred percent. Well, at least Grady Dick is the next Clay Thompson. So all is, all is well. Hey, and- I think he's going to be a player, man. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's, you know, the things you can see it a little bit in games, but we get to see a little bit more and when he's doing workouts and stuff, he is way more athletic than, you know, you would maybe guess. Um, he's a really high IQ kid yeah. and, uh, as a player, as a person. And it seems to be, you know, a very hard worker and, that's one thing I can say with a good amount of confidence is if you're talent plus character plus IQ, like it's almost impossible to fail. Yeah. Um, doesn't mean you don't, but uh, you know, those guys generally, they reach their ceiling and his ceilings a little higher than maybe most would have thought. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I, I've, I've keep, uh, I've kept you long enough, but I just, I want to ask you one Canada basketball question just because, you know, I'm, I'm here with you. And when we last spoke, I was in Jakarta and Canada had not made the Olympics and now they have obviously beat the United States to win the bronze. Thanks to uh, Dylan Brooks and Shea uh, breaking ankles and having a 40 piece um, or close to, but uh, just what do you think it means for you know, basketball in this country for the men's program, obviously the women have been so successful, but to, to make the Olympics and, and just now that we could maybe see Canada versus the USA at the Olympics or in the finals or winning medals, it'll be really tough. I don't mean it that it's a walk in the park, but what do you think that this, you know, their run and making the Olympics means for basketball in this country? Yeah. I mean, I think it's uh, like kind of less than you might think like I, I in a way i think basketball is so established the culture is so you know i think that raptors championship and just the whole environment around the sport uh has you know it's it's there it's ubiquitous mm-hmm. it's you know there's there's it's like i don't know if them making the olympics or not making the olympics could add that much more to to what's already in place um i think you know what it might do especially if they make a run is is just kind of like the very casual fan just loves an olympics right so you know just like women's soccer you know winning gold and you know like he there were a lot of people who knew nothing about soccer that were pretty inspired by that so and i think what it would do specifically is more important for canada basketball is it it has and making that making the Olympics was so huge. Having a successful World Cup was so huge. Is it it just kind of bolsters the organization and I think um allows them to continue to add resources and continue distributing resources at the de- development levels to kind of really help 
you know, age group teams, age group development. You know, I think that's maybe the big thing. And yeah, just maybe show the basketball can be a unifier in a way that maybe, you know, it was kind of a, when I was growing up, it was always kind of niche. I think that's those days are gone, but, but um, I just think I, like at this point, I just think I'd be very happy for the individuals involved yeah. who've put so much into it and t- taken a lot of risks and all these other kinds of things to, to have that, that they have had that's the success of getting there. And, and um, look, Canada can win a matter, can win gold, right? Like I, I, you know, I don't know if they're a favorite, but you know, if they add a piece or two and we know who they are, um, that's a huge team. Uh, you know, they've got great Oof. finishers, multiple scorers, um, you know, really good defensive group. And in a one game showdown, they could beat anybody. And yeah. so um, I guess if it were to happen, if you're in a gold medal final against France or the U.S., wherever it might be, and uh, it would be the final, it would be kind of the bookend to the Raptors title, right? Like yeah. it's oh, just the, the final stamp not that you need it of basketball as part of the canadian sports language mm. and you know i don't as i said i think it is anyway but it would be the you know it would be the, the definitive moment well michael uh i couldn't have said it better than that uh, as someone that covered the team so i hopefully they uh do well Good job, Alex. thank Good you Thank you very much. Um, you know, I, I hope that uh, you get the chance to go to Paris, or, or it's actually Lille too as well. Um, Lille, but, yes, no, that's uh, it's in the works. So fingers crossed. Yeah, um, I, I'm I'm doing the same thing. So we'll see if I can get out there and maybe have a, a pint in Paris. That'd be kind of nice. But uh, Michael, um, I really appreciate you taking the time and doing this. As you know, a huge fan of yours. Um, is there anything you just want to plug uh, before I send you off? No, no, just. Uh... You know, just thanks for having me on and, and uh, you know, good luck with, with your career. I know you're uh, you definitely uh, are got a lot of hustle in you and, and that's that's a huge part of it. So good luck with it. I know it's a tough business, and but it's a good one. It's a fun one and uh, somebody's got to make it. So yeah. good luck to you. Thank you very much, Michael. It means a lot coming from you. And uh, I'm just going to hope someone uh, somewhere falls off their bike and then that's my foot in the door. Uh, I'm obviously kidding. But uh, thank you so much, Michael, for for taking the time. And uh, hopefully the Raptors, you know, aren't uh, two and whatever after 10 or 12 games and, and, you know, win a little bit. So it's a bit more uh, exciting for you. So thanks again, Michael. All right. Thanks, Alex.